0: Season greetings to every single one of you tuning into our 2020 SIBKL Christmas service. I'm so glad that you can join us this Christmas, wherever you are and whatever time that you are tuning in. But before I start with uh, the sermon, before I start with the Word of God for you, can you give me that opportunity, that honour and that privilege to pray for you, your friends and your loved ones today? Let's pray. Dear heavenly father, we thank you, Jesus, that we've got this opportunity to tune into Christmas service, that we have the privilege to hear and to experience the word of God. I want to thank you, Jesus, that wherever we are, however we are, Father God, that your Holy Spirit can speak into each and every soul, into each and every heart, into each and every home. I just want to bless your loved ones, your friends and your family. So we thank you, Lord God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We came here to adore you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. A very good hello to every single one of you today. I want to thank you again for tuning into our Christmas service. Um, and just in case you have no idea who I am, my name is Isaac, Pastor Isaac, and I'm one of the pastors here in, uh, in God's beloved church, SIBKL. And on behalf of all our pastors, on all our elders and all our council and all our SIB leaders. We want to wish you the best. We just want to say hello and joy and peace and hope to every single one of you. I have the privilege and I just want to introduce to you my family. Just in case you don't know, here's the picture of my family. My wife, her name is Kim. She also works in church with me. We're married for uh, four good years. Uh, and we've got two beautiful boys. Uh, our eldest is Jedediah Ling. Uh, he's two years and two months. Our youngest is seven months, and his name is Macarius Ling. So on behalf of my family, we also wish you joy, peace, and hope in this Christmas season. Today, I would like to bring to you a word of God, and I entitle my sermon, There is Hope. Would you say with me, there is hope. You know, in the year 2020, If it is the same for you as it is for me, this year started with absolute hope that a lot of us would have hope for our families, our business, even our church, even our own lives, whatever it is, we've got hope for something new. This is, 2020 is the year that the whole world hoped for something. But who knew that we would be right where we are in the year 2020? Who knew that COVID-19 would hit and would bring the whole world to a stop? You know, that brought me thinking that the smallest of microbes, a virus, COVID-19, can just change all our lives in a short span of time. Everything that we've built up, whether it's our education, whether it's our business, whether it's our economy, whether it's our health, whether it's our family, whatever it is that we've built up, the smallest of microbes have changed our lives, our community, our church, our country, and the whole world forevermore. And that's, that's really amazing. And, and it got me thinking that about 2,000 years ago, that a life of a small family also changed forevermore. And that life of that small family managed to change the course of history now and forevermore. Would you turn with me uh, uh, to the book of Matthew? I'm going to read today from Matthew chapter 1. 18 to 24. Would you read it with me? It's going to come up on the screen. So if you're there, um, say an amen. We're ready. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus." You know, if you have time later on, um, turn to the book of Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 and you would have the fuller story of the birth of Jesus. But permit me in just the next two minutes to share with you uh, a summary of, of this whole nativity story, the story of Christmas. There is this couple called Mary and Joseph. Uh, uh, Mary was a virgin, but she was conceived by the power of God and she, she had in, in her uh, baby Jesus, right? Uh, 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 so Mary and Joseph, because there was a census that was going on in the land back then, they had to travel... I believe in Mary's third trimester, all the way to Bethlehem in order to register for their census, there was, there was no room for an inn. There's no room for a hotel back then. Everything was fully booked. So all Joseph could find was a lowly manger. It was, it was like a, it was an animal shelter. So I want you to imagine it was a heavily pregnant woman with a man called Joseph. A uh, husband to be, and they're they're in a manger full of animals. So imagine the smell, imagine the the look, imagine the noise that is going on around there, around those times as well. Because the Jews were in political turmoil with the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had conquered Israel, and they were heavily taxing them, and they were imposing a lot of laws on them. And there was political uh, revolt going on. And around those times, there was a king of the land. His name is King Herod. And when he heard that the King of the Jews is born, he sent out an edict, a decree, to kill every single baby beneath the age of two years old. You see, that is the context of the nativity story. That is the context of the Christmas story. And I, I just want to say, how different is our lives in 2020 from the lives of Mary and Joseph all the way back then to 2,000 years ago? We've got hopes that were dashed. We've got hopes that possibly were crushed this year. I believe Mary and Joseph's hopes were crushed as well. Can you imagine, put yourself in Mary's shoes, right? I bet she hoped to be married uh, well, to have a nice wedding. Which girl don't want a nice wedding? I bet she hoped for a nice wedding. I bet she hoped for a new house in order to settle down. I bet she hoped that, hey, let's enjoy our marriage, maybe for a year or two before we get pregnant. But none of that happened. She's, she's now in a, in a manger, heavily pregnant, having to travel in a, seventh or eighth month of pregnancy. Now she's filled with the noise of animals, the smell of animals, and she has to give birth in a manger. I bet she hoped that she would give birth with family, with friends, possibly midwives there to help her give birth. But now she's all alone, just with a husband, with the smell and with the noise, and she has to give birth in a manger. And the whole story shows that everything possibly what she hoped for was crushed, was dashed. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes, the man of the house, right? I bet as a man of the house, I want to I wanna give a nice wedding to my wife. I want to give a nice marriage to my wife. I want to be able to provide a house for my wife, right? I want to be able to say, hey, when I marry you, hopefully... You are not pregnant, whether it's God's child or a child of another man. That's my hope, right? <laughs> could you be pregnant with my child instead of God's child? That is my hope. And all his hopes were crushed as well. When, when When the king wants to kill every single baby and I cannot protect my child, I have to travel to Egypt to run away from that edict. Travelling again when my baby is so young, how many young parents can identify with me? How many young parents want to travel when your baby is less than even two years old? How many? But he had to do it. His hopes were dashed. Now, put yourself in their parents' shoes. I bet their parents' hopes were dashed. Every single parent, right? On the birth of their grand baby, wouldn't you like to throw a celebration? Wouldn't you like to invite your friends and families and have a party and have food at your house and say, hey, come everybody, this is my grand child, let alone, this is my grandson. I bet they want to hold their grandson in their arms. I bet they want to introduce their grandson. They're so proud uh, to their friends, to their families and say, Hey, look, this is my grandson. But we know in the story, none of that was written. Maybe none of that ever happened. I bet the parents' hopes were dashed as well. You know, I believe that our lives this year, is not so different from the lives of Mary and Joseph all the way back then. Which brings me to my first point. In my sermon titled, There is Hope. My first point is, there is hope. How do I know that there is hope? How can I confidently stand in front of you today and say that there is hope? Why? Because we don't have a God who saw the troubles of the people, who saw the the turmoil of the land, who saw the suffering of everyone, who saw the chaos of the world. We don't have a God that just sits back, watch, have a cup of coffee and tune into Netflix. I don't think that's my God. How do I know? Because we have a God who sees the chaos of the world and say, I will send my son to save you. And I will send my son in the form of a helpless baby to save humanity. And that is how I know that God is still a good God. That God is still a God of hope in this season. That in the midst of suffering, there's a baby. In the midst of turmoil, that's a baby. In the midst of hopelessness, there's a baby. In the midst of suffering and fire and trials, there's a baby. And God says, I am going to send my son, this baby Jesus, to come and save us all from our sins. Do you know why God sent a baby? Have you ever thought about it? You know, when God wants to save humanity, could not, could he not have just sent a full grown man, age 33, and just say, voila, I'm here. I am the son of God. I'm going to die for the sins of humanity. Dies on that cross, resurrects on the third day. Boom, it's done. Why did God send a baby? You know, here's what I believe. What does a baby represent? When you, when you, when you think of baby, it represents hope. It's a new birth. It's a new life. It represents hope for the future. You know, I only come to realization of this nativity story when I became a father myself. You know, I'm a young father of two. And, and it's just this year, in the midst of a global pandemic, that God bestowed upon me a, a newborn baby. His name is Macarius. And in May, when I held him for the very first time, and I looked at him in the, in the quietness of the hospital, I remember thinking to myself, that, hey, I'm hoping that even though he's born in a pandemic, that his life will be better in the future. I'm hoping that all the mistakes that his father has done in his life, that my son will not do in the future. I'm hoping that when he grows up into a teenager, into an adult, into a young adult, I will be able to sit down with him and I'll be able to tell him all the failures his father has made, all the mistakes his father has made. And I want to say to him that you don't have to repeat your father's mistake. There is a better life out there for you. And when I hold him in my hands, I, I remember thinking to myself that this baby represents my hope for a better life in the future. And that's why God sent a baby. And I want to remind all of you in this 2020, even if you're going through a season of maybe trials or great suffering, or maybe great problems, and maybe things are not going your way, I wanna remind you that there is a baby Jesus. And I want you to just remember that there's, this is a helpless baby. Birth for you, to give you a new birth, to give you a new life, to give you a new hope for your future. There is hope. But you can say, Pastor, There is hope. But what does this hope got to do with me? What does this baby Jesus got to do with me? Which brings me to my second point, that we have hope. Not only there is hope, we have hope. And how do I know? How do I know that there is hope? How do I know that we have hope? It is found in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 specifically says, They will call Him Emmanuel, God with us. They will call Him Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. This baby Jesus is not just a helpless baby, but this baby Jesus represents God. And God is saying, God is with you. In the beginning of this year, I have the privilege of discipling a very small group of young adults. And as I was praying 2019, this absolutely defines the Christmas of hope in 2020. It is found in the book of First Peter, written by, hey, Peter, uh, from verse three to verse nine. And I would like to read it for you. And I'd like to explain why this verse is so apt. Verse three says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I just want to say that again. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How do I know that we have hope? Because Matthew says that God is with us. Jesus is with us. First Peter says that this Jesus in us, has given us a new birth into a living hope, that Jesus is our hope, that He is alive and He is with us right now that says, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be in despair. Why don't you lift up your eyes to me? Why don't you feel my presence next to me? And I'm going to give you that hope that you long for in 2021. I have great plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope for your future. Will you not receive me into your life? Will you not allow me to give you a new birth into a living hope? And then it goes on in verse four that says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Now this verse is really important because you ask me, pastor, what is it that I have to hope for in the future? Why should I even hope for the future? What's the point? I don't know what's to come. Why do I need to hope? And this verse tells you why you need to hope. Because verse four says that when you have a new birth in Jesus Christ, he will give you an inheritance that can never perish, an inheritance that can never spoil, an inheritance that can never fade. What is this inheritance? This inheritance is life with Jesus life with God. Do you know, on earth, we love to leave inheritance for our, our families, right? And that's normal. You know, I'm a young father and, uh, and my wife and I, Kim and I, we're, we're already thinking about inheritance for our two boys, right? Let's, let's make a separate account. Let's let's every month maybe put $100 or $50. Maybe should we invest in this property for our son's education? Uh, where do you think he should study? How much will it cost us? Uh, what kind of inheritance do we want to leave? But every time we talk about inheritance, there is always one thing. Whether we give them gold, whether we give them money, whether we give them property, cars, or whether we even give them uh, uh, some of our wisdom, some of our legacy. All these inheritance, earthly inheritance, will perish. They can spoil. But we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus that cannot perish, that is more precious than gold, that is more precious than all the money in the world, that is more precious than every portfolio, every investment, every property, every stock, every share. He is more precious than all the the inheritance, that earthly inheritance that we can leave for our next generation. Jesus Christ is our inheritance, that life with God that can never perish, spoil or fade. And that's why even though our life is in despair all around us, we get up every morning and say, God, you are with me. God, I have your backing with me. God, my future is secure in your hand. God, even though I have nothing of earthly value in this life, but I have heavenly value with you, Jesus Christ. That's why we get up every morning. And that's why First Peter, it's is, is so great. Can I continue? Verse five, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this, the knowledge of your salvation, the knowledge of your inheritance, that is Christ Jesus, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, check this out. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. See on earth that we suffer grief from all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise. Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your salvation, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hallelujah. When I, when I read this, I'm like, this just comes alive with me. Jesus is our living hope. His inheritance for us, there is life with God. We'll never perish small of faith. But in this life, in this life, when we have to suffer grief of every trial, we are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a great saying by John Maxwell. Where there is no hope for the future, there is no power for the present. I'll say it again. Where there is no hope for the future, there is no power for the present. It means that when, when you are living in hopelessness, it means when you have no hope, you have no reason to live. You have no reason to get up in the morning. You have no reason to look ahead and says, hey, you know, I've got hope. And that's amazing because this verse gives us the power to live. The power lies in Jesus Christ, that we get up and says, God, I have that joy in you that even though I don't know how to put food on my table tomorrow. I still have that joy in Jesus Christ because I know that you are with me. I still have that peace knowing that you hold my future in my hands. And that power gives, and that hope for the future gives us power in our present to move on forward, to take that one step at a time, to get up one morning at a time, to say, God, I'm going to follow you. One step at a time and it leads me to my third point all our hope is in jesus all our hope is in jesus you know (laughs) i was thinking of whether or not i should share a a snippet of my personal story for this christmas Um, and then two months ago my wife said you should share something about your life and i was On the verge of saying no, then I realized that sometimes the voice of God sounds like the voice of your wife. So marry a godly wife, everyone. 2002 to maybe a good portion of 2010, a good eight years. Um, It's the hardest season of my life. Um, Just in case you didn't know, which I don't think you do, I was officially diagnosed with, um, in the middle of it, clinical depression. Um, to cut a very long story short, in that eight years, I, I kind of lost my way. See, I was born in a, into a good, good family, a Christian family. Um, we're okay. We're not rich, but we're not poor. Um, my parents provided me a very good education. So if you're wondering, was it my parents' fault? Was it my school's fault? Was it uh, education's fault? Was it the fact that I'm poor? No, it was none of those. Uh, When I look back on my life, I had a good family. I had good siblings, good parents. I I had a good school. I had good education. I had a good life. I was healthy. Um, But I don't know. Unexplainably, I I had a season where I lost my purpose in life and I lost my purpose in life. And I could not find the hope for living. And every other day, I would, I would ask, what is the point of living? What's the point of this life? Why should we move forward? Why should we breathe our next breath? Why should we wake up in the morning? Why should we go to work? Why slog away at the treadmill of life? What is it all for? What is the point? And every other day I would ask, and every other day I would ask myself, what is the point of living? God, what is my purpose? There's a a point in life I even said, maybe there is no God. (laughs) Where is God? Maybe there is no God. You know, God is good. Um, Just in the middle of those years, or perhaps towards the later end of those years, my, my parents came to see me, and they said something to me that I've not done in a long time, admittedly. They said, why don't we go to church? I think more accurately, they would, they said, do you know a church that they could attend on a Sunday morning? And I said, well, I do know a few. I could take you to it. And I remember I took them to church. And of course, naturally I would attend as well. Um, And I would love to tell you that, boom, that day God spoke to me with a booming, thunderous voice, you know, thunder, earthquake, lightning, fire, hail, storm. And my life was changed forevermore. No, not really. Not really. Um, It took a couple of years, but it was, I remember so clearly it was at that point when my parents reminded me of church, reminded me of God. And they, they didn't say much. They just went with me to church or more like I went with them to church. And I remember saying, God, are you there? What is my hope? God, are you there? What is my purpose in this life? He didn't answer me straight away. But it was at that point, a seed was sown. And a week after, I went back. A week after, I went back. A month later, I went back. And I kept going. And I remember in the midst of that, God did speak. And I remember he met me after church one day somewhere along the years. And I remember he said, and the voice is clear as day. He said, son, I am your hope. I am your purpose. You have a future if you believe and trust in me. I cannot explain when the Holy Spirit God, I rest your heart. There is no explanation. I cannot explain to you my experience. I cannot describe that voice. I cannot describe how it feels in words, in human words. I can only assure you that it changed my life forever. How do I know? Because I'm here. I will not be here if it weren't for God. And I remember when he spoke to me, I remember he gave me a vision. I've never told anybody this vision, but I want to share it with you today. And the vision is this, that it may be dark all around your life. That you may not be able to see what's ahead of you. That what's ahead of you may look like darkness. What's ahead of you may look like a void. But he says, there is a man that stands between you and what's ahead. And that man is Jesus and he stands in front of you. And I want you to imagine a man so big, so big, so large, that he covers and that he protects what is ahead of you. He is so large that you cannot see what's ahead of you. You can't even see what's beside you. All you see is that man. All I saw was that man standing in front of me. And I know that that man is Jesus. And he says to me, "Son." You need to know, I am the beginning and I am the end. I am that Alpha and that I am the Omega. I am the one that breathed life into you. And because I gave life into you, and because I am the end, I know what is in store for you. I know what is your future. And if you believe in me, and if you trust in me, I have a future for you. You can hope in a future that is good. And whenever I forget, I remind myself of this vision that I want to keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus, the person who says to me that I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, a hope for your future. I know what's ahead of you and what's ahead of you is good. If only you would trust in me. And I says, God, I will trust in you. I will take one step at a time. I'll take one step at a time. And I want to end my sermon with this. This vision for me, it's also a vision for you. And I've got another one for you. And it's really this. You know, my seventh-month-year-old baby, he's he's learning to crawl, right? So he's trying to get up. He's, he's, He's on his hands and he's on his knees. And he's trying to crawl. Um, but he can't, he doesn't know how, he doesn't know how to, he does he hasn't learned the technique of crawling just yet. I remember I would stand right in front of him. His face would be here. My face would be here. And I would speak to him. I says, Mac, that's his name, Macarius, Mac. Daddy's here. Take your first step. You can take your first knee forward, or you can take your first hand forward. But whatever happens, I'm right here. I will catch you if you fall. I will be here if you fall. I will be here when you take your first step forward. Just look at me. Don't look at the bed. Don't look at the mattress. Don't look at how big the room looks to you. Don't don't look at if you crawl too much, will you fall off the mattress? Will you fall off the bed? No, no, no. I'm right in front of you, in your face. And if you take your first step, if you take your first crawl, I will be here to celebrate your win. I know what's ahead of you. And head of you is good as your father. And if you fall, I'm here to catch you. And that's my vision for you. That we're all babies. We're learning how to trust in Jesus again. We're learning how to put our hope in Jesus again. That we're all just a little baby learning how to crawl, learning how to walk. And this big daddy, Jesus, our father in heaven, he's right in front of us in our face. And he's calling out your name. And he's saying, will you take your first step? will you trust in me and take your first crawl will you that's the most difficult the first step will you because i will catch you if you fall i will catch you if you fall to the left or fall to the right or fall on your face i will be there for you but you need to trust that i am for you not against you friends there is hope we have hope and all our hope is in Jesus. Do you remember in the beginning of my sermon, what did I say? I said that the smallest of microbes changed our lives forevermore. It disrupted our whole life, not just us, but our communities, our countries, and the whole world. And today I want to tell you that the smallest seed of hope can change your life forevermore. But you must allow that smallest seed of hope to take root in your heart today. You must allow that smallest seed of hope to take place in your life today. Will you, will you let Jesus in? Because He stands in front of you saying, my son, my son, your hope is in Jesus. My son, my daughter, your future, It's good if you trust me, my son and my daughter. You have a purpose in your life. So right now, I want to appeal to you. Will you take your first step? If you don't know Jesus, and I can't see you right now. You may be alone at home, maybe you're with friends, maybe you're with family. But if you don't know Jesus and you feel like this message have touched you, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if you feel like God is tugging at your heart, will you take that first step and say yes to Jesus? Jesus, I may fall, but I want you to catch me. Jesus, I want to hope in you. Jesus, I want to give my life to you will you? there's another group of people if it's you that you've been a Christian for a long time but in 2020 you have forgotten Jesus in 2020 you have taken your eyes off of Jesus in 2020 you have done everything but Jesus can I encourage you can I appeal to you to rededicate your life back to Jesus today will you again take your first step And say yes to Jesus as well. I assure you, friends, He loves you and He cares for you. So I'm going to give you some time. If that is you, will you repeat this prayer after me? If that is you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I know you love me. I know you care for me. I've lost my way. I don't know you, but today I give my life to you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you live in me. I confess that You are my Lord and my Saviour. Jesus, fill me with Your joy, Your peace, Your hope this Christmas. Give me an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil or fade. The salvation of my soul. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, can I invite you to take just 15 seconds of your time to fill in your contact details in the link below. I would personally, personally would love the opportunity to call you and to pray with you. If you rededicated your life back to Jesus, will you also fill in your contact details in the link below? I would also love the opportunity to pray with you. SIBKL, friends and family, if you are with somebody who gave their life to Jesus for the first time or rededicate their life to Jesus, will you do me a favor to fill in their contact details in the link below? And for the rest of us, could we rise to our feet and could we declare this worship song that God, you are our living hope. Hallelujah, Will we rise to our feet and just raise our hands in worship. Yes, God, you are our living hope.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are my living hope.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God, you are our living hope. You are our living hope. Hallelujah. Can I just close this whole Christmas service with just a prayer to bless every single one of you. Could we raise our hands to God and say, God, I receive today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Christmas story. We want to thank you for sending your one and only son, baby Jesus, to give us hope. There is hope, Lord God. We have hope, Lord God, and all our hope is in Jesus. Will you watch God over their going in and their going out? Will your face shine upon them? Will you bless them, their health, their life, their family, their work, their children? We thank you, Jesus, that your face shine upon every single one watching today. And in Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Thank you so much Church for tuning in into SIBKL's 2020 Christmas service. We appreciate every single one of you. I want to wish you a blessed Christmas, a blessed New Year and may hope fill your 2021. God bless you Church. See you.